Well, I want to begin the way that we begun the last couple of weeks, and if you were here, uh, you're going to know what we're going to be doing here. If you weren't, uh, don't worry, you don't have to take the test. But the first one, we, we've been asking the question, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? And the answer, uh, anybody remember first week? No thing. Very good. You guys all get A's. No thing. Yes. No thing makes you happy because happiness is more about a who than a what. So no thing makes you happy. Happiness is, is almost always about a who or two, right? We said that. Then a couple weeks ago, we had a second answer. Same question, second answer. What makes you happy? Sewing. Oh yeah, that's a trickier one. Sewing with an O, not the other one, which does make people happy, but sewing. Yeah, you sew and you reap your way to happiness, okay? Happiness, we discovered, is an outcome. It's a result. Uh, That means happiness is not immediately accessible, if you're an unhappy person, there's no message, there's no, no person, there's no drug, there's no podcast, no, nothing. You can't like leave here and all of a sudden, oh, be happy because happiness is a process and it takes time. And happiness is not immediately accessible, but it is ultimately accessible and you sow and you reap your way into happiness. Now today, we're going to talk about happiness as it relates to our money. And there's a problem here because we all believe there is a connection between happiness and money, right? Well, whenever you hear somebody, especially a preacher, stand up and say, well, you know, money can't make you happy, we all kind of nod and go, yeah, that's, that's true. But none of us believe that, right? Like, you don't believe that? I don't believe that. Because every time you hear, like, well, money can't make you happy, you always think, well, just try me, <laughs> like, right? I just kind of want, I want to take that test. I want to just see because, because I think, you know, ultimately money can make me, and I know happiness is about a who or two and all that, but, but you know, at the end of the day, the bottom line is I believe money will make me happy. And what we're going to find out today is that there is a connection between happiness and money. You know, the conclusion today is not money won't make you happy. I don't believe that. There's a connection between happiness and money, but where we mess up and and where we get this wrong is we assume that the connection between happiness and money is this word right here. More. More. You know, if if I had more money, you know, I would be happy. Or if I had more money, I would be more happy. Right? I'd be happier. You know, so so let me ask you a couple of questions. How much more would it take to make you happy? Or, Or how much more money would it take to make you more happy, right? Like, think about that for a second. How much money? Like if, if we think, you know, if more money means more happy, how much more? Like, we should know that. And in this series, we said something that I, I think we can all agree on, and that's that ha- all happy people have one thing. They, they have peace, right? We said all happy people have peace. When you meet a happy person, you know, they're, they're just, they have peace. They're at peace with, with themselves. They're at peace with other people, you know, the world around them. And, and often, most of the time, they're at peace with God. So let me ask you this question in a different way using our word peace. How much money would it take to give you peace? How much money would it take for you to have peace? You know, like, ah, oh, my kids are a mess, but I got a raise. You know, or, or you know, like my, my marriage is falling apart, but, you know, it's like, how much money would it take? How much money do you need to have peace? And I know the answer to that question for every single person in this room. Okay, those of you who don't have much, those of you who have a lot, and it's somewhere in between, the answer for all of us is the same. And the answer is more than you currently have, right? Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's just more. No matter how much money you have, you know, no matter where you are in life or, or where you live or what you drive or what you wear, you know, all of that kind of stuff, the rest of your life, you will always answer that question the same way. How much money do I need to have peace? 
How much money do I need to, to be happy? <laughs> More than, than I currently have. And here's the thing. Again, this is why I'm glad you're here today. Because there is a corollary between your money and your happiness. There's a corollary between your money and your happiness, but it's not more. Because you know people who have like a lot of money and they're not happy. And you know people who have a lot more money than them and they're not happy. And then you got people that have way more money and you're like, how'd you get all this money? It's like, and they're still not happy, but you know people who have a lot less money and they're happy. So there's a corollary between money and happiness, but it's not more. And my only frustration is that at the end of this message, I think we're all going to agree. You know, you're going to kind of nod and agree with the premise and the big idea, and you're going to go, yeah, you know, I kind of heard that before I came in, and it makes sense. The question is, and the challenge is, how do we get that from our head into our heart? Because if you ever did, like, your perspective on money would be so different. And your perspective on happiness, perhaps, would be as well. And you would discover that the way to sow financially uh, to your happiness, you would discover how to do that. So there's a corollary between money and happiness. But they don't connect around the word more. They actually connect around another M word, the word managed. Okay? It's not how much you have, but how you manage that determines whether or not you're going to be happy when it comes to money. It's not the amount of, it's the management of. In fact, you could say it this way, money can contribute to happiness if you manage it well. Think about what we said earlier in the series, that anything that undermines your peace undermines your happiness. Right? So, Which means if you mismanage your money, you undermine your peace, regardless of how much you make or how much you have. And this is where many Americans are, and this is where you know, maybe some of us are. Now, Jesus talks about this area of money, and he actually says, if you don't get in control of your finances, you don't learn how to manage your money correctly and manage it well, your money will actually manage you. And if your money and your finances are managing you, you don't have peace. And the reason you don't have peace is because you feel out of control. And in any arena of life where you feel out of control, you have anxiety. And when you have anxiety, man, it's hard to have peace. Now, if you've grown up in the church or around the church, like uh, you've heard these next words that Jesus said before. They're just so rich and so deep that I just kind of want to give you the whole uh, passage and then go back and focus on a couple of these words. But here's what Jesus said. And, and he sets this up so that you think you know where he's going and then he kind of like switches direction uh, just because he's a great communicator. That's how, how great communicators do this. Listen to what he said. He said, no one can serve two masters. To which we go, okay, well, that's not really a big deal for me because I don't have a master, right? I'm not living in the first century. We don't do that anymore. You know, I, don't, I, I don't have a master. I do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want. You know? Then you've got to pay property tax. And you go, okay, yeah, there's that. But you know, like, it's like, okay, like no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to the one and despise the, the other. To which we go, okay, Jesus, yeah, I'm following you so far. So Jesus talks about these two masters, and then here's the surprise. This is when everybody's like taking notes, like looks up and goes, like, what? What? What did he say? Because listen to his application of this idea that you can only serve one master. You cannot serve both God and now you'd expect him to say the devil, right? Or something opposite. What's the opposite of God? You know, like you can't serve both God and, and, and evil. Or, or, you know, what's the opposite of God? Uh, sin. You know, you can't serve both God and sin. What's the opposite of God? Nobody says money. You know, we don't think that. No, nobody thinks that. That's why everybody kind of looks up. You know, Jesus says you can only serve one of two masters. You'll either serve God or you're going to serve money. Now, the interesting thing is the Greek word here that gets translated money 
it's not a great translation. It's close, but um, older translations, some of you guys remember, like uh, they translated the word mammon. And we go like, what's a mammon? You know, it's like, uh, basically, that word means stuff. It's stuff. It's, it's money, but it's more than just money. It's, it's the, the money is stuff. It's like the stuff you have and the stuff you want and the, the money you want to get to buy more stuff. That, you know, it's just all your stuff. And Jesus says, like, look, you're going to serve one of two masters. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. Which means, in Jesus' way of thinking, the chief competitor for your, your devotion isn't Satan. You know, the chief competitor for your devotion isn't even sin. The chief competitor for your heart and for your devotion is your stuff or your desire for stuff or, or your desire for money so you can have more stuff. That, that stuff, money, is the chief competitor for your heart and for my heart. Now you hear that and you think what I think. is like, okay, well, I get that, but you know, it's like, honestly, I don't serve my stuff and I don't love money. And Jesus says, hang on there. Look, look carefully at what I said. Because this is why I want to look at these two words, which is so powerful. Because we go like, you know what? I, I don't love money. I don't serve money. I, money's not my master. And Jesus says, wait, I think he might have read that too fast. Look what he said. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one, you know, and love the other. Well, I don't love stuff. Jesus, hold on, you know, like keep going because I'm going to define exactly what I mean by love. Or you will be devoted to. So Jesus, like, what do you mean by love stuff and love money? He's, I mean to be devoted to. Well, what's devoted to? Devoted to is like there's this real strong attachment to. <laughs> uh oh, now, now you're talking because like you know to be devoted to is to be on a quest for. To be devoted to is like, well, I've got my eye on. And to be devoted to is like, this becomes the, the primary decision-making filter whenever I have to make a, a decision, whatever I'm most devoted to. And Jesus says, you may not like the word love, but let's be honest, you're pretty devoted to your stuff. And, and you're pretty devoted to your desire for stuff. And, and you may not say, oh, I bow down and you know, I love money. And, but when you take your devotion to money and you take your devotion to stuff and, and you compare it to, Basically, any other thing, you got to conclude you're at least, you know, pretty devoted to stuff or the acquisition of stuff. So let me ask you another kind of pesky question. Has your desire for, or you could use Jesus' term, devotion to, has your desire for something ever caused you to do something? To which we would go, yeah, yeah, right. Of course it has, you know. You're, you, you acted, you, you reacted, you, you, you took action on something. You behaved in a certain way because of your desire for something. So let me ask it this way. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something stupid? Now notice there's not a comma there. I'm not calling you stupid. Like, hey, has it caused you to do something stupid? No, that's not that, okay? It's like, no. Has it ever caused you to do something stupid? And we're like, oh, yeah, of course, you know? Like if you're over five, you've done stupid stuff with money, you know? It's like you've all done impulse buys and you bought stuff like you didn't need and you're in debt for stuff you don't even have anymore and you bought stuff and you're like, why did I do that, you know? And we've all done that. Let me ask it in a different way. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something you regret? Yeah, yeah. So think about that for a minute. What is that? See, that is... Desire for is a desire for that equates to a devotion to. See, here's the thing. Your devotion to, your, your desire for stuff, your, your devotion to and desire for getting what you want, 
your devotion to and your desire for uh, to spend whatever it is to satisfy an appetite that's ultimately never going to be satisfied. Your devotion to and your desire for in those moments mastered you. You weren't the boss. It's like, okay, we used it four times, you know, and then we got busy. Why did I buy that crazy thing? And and why didn't we just stay in the smaller house? And, and why, why do we even need all that space? And you know, the closet's so full. And, and why do I have to keep giving stuff away so I can make more room to put more stuff in? And why do I stand in front of, of a closet full of stuff and, and I have nothing to wear? You know, It's like, why do we do that? See, Jesus knew that the chief competitor for the throne of your life is your desire to acquire. Right? It's our desire for stuff. It has the power to enslave us. And, and when you're enslaved, you're not happy, no matter how much money you make. And you know where this begins? This begins with this word right here. Discontentment. Discontentment. This is a powerful, powerful thing. See, discontentment ensures that I'm never ever satisfied with what I have because I know what you have. And I know what there is to have. Discontentment ensures that I'm never satisfied with what I have because I know what you have and I know what there is to have. And the thing that drives discontentment is this word right here, awareness. See, when you become aware of what there is to have, you become discontent. When you become aware that they've upgraded and they've got a new one and a new model out and it's shinier and brighter and, and newer, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, you become discontent and, and you become aware of what everybody else has. You become discontent. And you can't remember all the times like you've walked through the mall or, or even just through Walmart and you saw something and you're like, I didn't even know that such a thing existed. And, and suddenly you needed it, you know, and like thir in 30 seconds you went from, I didn't know it existed to, you know, I need it. And you checked out with it, right? What is that? I'm telling you, discontentment is a powerful thing. And the thing that drives it is awareness. Now, part of what drives discontentment is our second word here. It's this word, greed. Greed. Now, you cannot see greed in a mirror. You're, you're all, all greedy, but you never see it in the mirror. Greed, you know, that's that other person. They're greedy. But let me give you Jesus' definition of greed. Here, here's what Jesus said greed is. Greed is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. That's what greed is. Greed is, if it gets placed in my hands, it's for me. You know, and I may choose to give you a little bit, and aren't I generous, and aren't I nice, But because I don't have to. I, I don't have to give you any, because if it gets placed in my hands, it's for me. If you live with the assumption that it's all, everything that comes your way is all for your consumption, by Jesus' definition, you're a greedy person. And here's the thing. If everything that comes to you is for you, you're going to use it on you. But here's the problem. See, greed is an appetite. And the desire for stuff and the devotion to stuff is an appetite. And appetites are never, ever fully and finally satisfied. So if you're driven by discontentment and you live with the assumption that everything that comes your way is for your consumption, you're going to spend everything that you have that uh, comes your way on you. And you're not going to stop because you're an American. We don't have to stop when the money runs out, right? That's so 19th century, 18th century, right? We don't have to stop. And that leads us to our third happy word, which is debt. Debt, right? Now, listen real carefully. I want is better than I owe. I want is better than I owe. Let's just say that together. It's an important thing. I want is better than I owe. See, when you want something and you don't have it, there's tension. And when you owe on something 
you know, you don't want to pay on it, there's tension. And we've all lived long enough to know which is the better tension and which one we want to live with. It's better to live with I want and I don't have than I owe and I can't pay for it. So you're going to be in one camp or the other because you know, you're always going to want stuff. But debt is when you become a slave. You become a slave to your desire. Your devotion to, your desire for, leads you to slavery. And you're not a happy person when you owe things on stuff that you wish that you had never purchased to begin with or you can't make the payments. And here's the other problem with debt. And this is important. I want is between you and God. I want is between you and God. You know, and God, I really want it. And, and God's like convicting you and dinging your conscience. And you kind of hear God going like, hey, you can't afford it. You know, you don't need it. It's stupid. You'll, you're going to regret it. That's between you and God. But here's the trick. Once you borrow to buy it, now it's not between you and God anymore. It's between you and a creditor. And God always sides with a creditor. Because if you're a Jesus follower, you've got to pay what you owe. You've got to pay your debts. So I want is better than I owe. And here's the crazy thing, and you know this. It's like the more money you make, the more tempting it is to go into debt. Like try explaining that to someone in the third world country, right? Young people, try to explain that to your grandparents. Right? The, the more money you make, the more tempting it is to go into debt. The more opportunities you have to borrow money. It's just crazy. So every single day, our goal should be stay out of debt. Stay out of debt. How can I stay out of debt? Because, here's why, and I want this for you. Because right? you don't want to trade your peace for something that can't bring you peace. You don't want to trade your peace for something that can't possibly bring you peace. So I'm going to put all three words up here. And, and I'm just going to ask a couple questions, then we're done. Look at these three words. Okay, discontentment, greed, and debt. Now, which one of these makes you happy? Uh, no, uh, we know discontentment erodes your happiness. In greed, you know, that, uh, you know, like, I'm going to consume, 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 all the way up to the limit, you know, like, we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Debt, you know, the more I owe, the happier I am. I get the bills in the mail and the credit card bills, and I'm like, oh, I just love my life, you know, no, no, this is common sense. None of those ever makes you happy. So here's the application. Stop, right? Just stop, just stop. Don't do this anymore. If you want to know how to connect your money and your happiness, do away with these three things and you're going to be happier. That's why the whole, the whole more thing doesn't matter. It's not the amount of, it's the management that matters. Think about this. What amount of money would it take to eliminate discontentment? There's no amount of money that would eliminate discontentment. You're going to be discontent no matter how much money you have. Or how about this? How much money would it take to do away with greed? No amount of money. An amount will not address that. The only thing that addresses these three things is management. How you manage your money. It's who's in control. Who's the boss? And Jesus says, you can only have one master. So he goes on to offer us an alternative. He says, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money, which means that there is a way to submit your financial life and your financial world to God and just say, God, I don't want my stuff, my, my money to manage me. I want you to manage me. Teach me how to manage my money. And Jesus suggests you can have a new master and his last name is not Card. Right? Right? Right, here's the thing. If you take everything that Jesus taught about money 
And you take everything Jesus and the Scriptures taught, the New Testament teaches about money, you could condense it down to two words. And here's the two words. Generosity and wisdom. Generosity and wisdom. You, meet, you go to the happiest person you know, you talk to them about money, you're going to find that they're generous and they're wise with their money. And they're happy. And when you contrast generosity and wisdom with discontentment and greed and debt, like there's not even any comparison at all. And if you want to connect the dots between you know, happiness and money, this is the way to go. Now, if you take what Scripture teaches and, uh, about generosity and what the Scripture teaches about wisdom and you put it all together into something that's easy to memorize, like this is a game changer if you begin to restructure your world around these three ideas. Here they are. It's give, save, live. Give, save, live. Every time you get money, you just say to your money, you're not my master. I'll prove it to you. I'm going to give some of you away. See there, boom, it's gone. Uh, you give first, you save second, you live on the rest. Give, save, live. You give first. Not when you're asked to, not, not when you've you got to wait for a fundraiser. As soon as the money comes your way, you just go, okay, you know what? I just want to let you know money. You're not the boss of me. God's the boss of me. And he says give, so I'm just to prove that you're not in charge, I'm going to give some of you away. Boom, gone. Give first, save second, live on the rest. And here's the thing. Giving always, always, always results in joy. Okay? Discontentment, no joy. Greed, no joy. Debt, no joy. Giving always results in joy. And saving, put it this way, money in the bank leads to peace in the mind. Money in the bank leads to peace in the mind. Let's just say that together. Money in the bank leads to peace in the mind or, or peace of mind. So saving results in peace. Debt doesn't result in peace. And discontentment doesn't result in peace. And greed certainly isn't going to bring you peace. And then, when you live on the rest, you're financially free. You, you, you just choose not to spend more than, than you make. It's a crazy concept in our society. Like, just don't spend more than you make. Act your wage, is what Dave Ramsey says. If you don't spend more than you make, this is what Scripture teaches. If you live on what's left over, then you are financially free. And you can drive around going like, you know what? I could buy one of those, but I'm not going to. And I could lease one of those, but I'm not going to. And I, you know, I could, I could, I could, but I'm not going to because I would rather be free and I'd rather have peace and I'd rather have joy than you know, your house or a new truck or you know, new anything. And you will experience joy and peace and freedom. And Jesus is inviting you into this. And more money won't bring you this. The way you manage your money will. And this is how you make your money make you happy. This is how you make your money make you happy right here. Now imagine if you had been doing this like for the last 20 years or 30 years or, or 40 years. Anytime money came to you, didn't wait for a fundraiser, you know, didn't wait for some you know, child on the screen or some commercial or somebody to tug at your heartstrings. Uh, you're just like, you were just generous with your money. Money came in, you give it. You save. You take care of God's kingdom. You take care of your kingdom. Then you live on the rest. Imagine if you had been doing that all your life. You would be happier as it relates to your finances. So here's the thing. What makes you happy? Sowing. What makes you happy financially? Sowing in the direction of giving, saving, and living on the rest. Giving, saving, and living on the rest. Because you're smart enough to know this. Like discontentment, 
doesn't make you happy. And greed doesn't make you happy. And debt certainly doesn't make you happy. So just stop. Sow for it. Beginning next week, you know, you get that paycheck, you know, just say, I'm in, I'm in control. God says, give, I give. Money, you don't manage me anymore. You're not going to be my master. I'm not going to be your slave. Because at the end of the day, it's not the amount that counts. It's the management that makes all the difference. Money contributes to your happiness when and if you manage it well. And your best option is to invite your Heavenly Father to manage you as you learn to manage your money. That's how you keep your money from managing and controlling you. Now, if you're here sitting here and you're like, oh man, you know, I wish I had done this the last 20, 30, 40 years. I'm in debt, or I, you know, I, I struggled with it, I don't know how to get it. We've got resources for you. Um, uh, Dave Ramsey, I mentioned earlier, has tons of great resources, helped a lot of families in our church and around the world. Um, I'm happy to hook you up, walk with you through that. But would you just consider inviting your Heavenly Father to be your master? Would you consider beginning with this whole area of your finances? Because you're smart enough to know that the way our culture winds us up to think about money does not work. And it will not make you happy. Listen, let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this church where we can talk about this stuff and for a group of people that are, are trying to get it right. And, uh, thank you, Lord, for, for wisdom that we've gotten from your word and, and wisdom that we see in the lives of other people who, who have lived this for many, many years. Lord, I just thank you for generous people who allow us to, to do so much and for the man or, or woman or teenager for whom this was a wake-up call, just give them wisdom to know what to do with this. Help us all to know what next step that we need to take. Lord, and then give us the courage to take it. Help us to not allow money to enslave us and to, to control us, but allow us to submit to you, God, in your word and how your word says to handle this. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would walk with us on our journey. And uh, we thank you. We love you. We ask all these things in Christ's name now. Amen.